is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, San Diego, Ursa 2019. I am here with Charles Adams. We are going to be talking about finance, how to grow your business, how to do a good loan deal from Texas Capital Bank, straight from Dallas, Texas. Charles Adams, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. So as um, yeah, I've been in this industry 20 years and um, people used to walk into a bank and you know, try to explain to them, this is how the health club industry works. Mm-hmm. This is how we buy equipment. This is how we sell memberships. And some of these groups never uh, got to the point where they could get a loan because like all these commercial banks had no idea what the, uh, you know, how to, how to even think about this business. Now we've got groups such as yours that have hundreds of millions of dollars of specialty finance money that says, look, I understand the industry. I've had success. And, um, you know, we'll want to put money out there and help great operators grow. So once you talk about, you know, who Texas Capital Bank is, because it's not just for the state of Texas. That's right. And then your background, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll go free flow it from there. Sounds good. Yeah. So Texas Capital Bank is a 30, almost $30 billion publicly traded bank. We just had our 20th anniversary, uh, super entrepreneurial organization I'm happy to be a part of. And uh, we are a specialty lending group within the bank focused okay. on uh, the consumer retail space broadly, but really uh, multi-unit models that generate their earnings out of four walls or a network or a dealer relationship or license relationship. So restaurants, fitness, you know, fits squarely in that bucket. Uh, so we have about $175 million worth of exposure to the system or to the, to the industry. And uh, we're working with mainly scaled operators and national branded systems, franchisees in those systems. Okay. Uh, and we're helping them grow their business, uh, you know, from 10 to 15 units to that next level by cleaning up their capital structure and providing some growth financing. Got it. So, um, you know, talk, well, talk about your background and how you, uh, it sounds like you got a pretty awesome job inside of a, you know, more traditional financial institution, regardless of how entrepreneurial mm-hmm. a bank can be, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of allow to walk around this industry with your you know, your golf shirt and uh, say like, wow, I might have, yeah, I might have won the lottery inside of here being able to you know, it's do a good this deal. industry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So I got exposure to fitness through my prior role. I was with another financial institution working in the capital market space, structuring and syndicating deals for the private equity world and, uh, and the restaurant world. And when there were a few of the earlier bank-backed fitness deals uh, coming to market in 2014, 2015, I happened to work on one. Okay. Uh, and at the time, it's pretty incredible, five years uh, five years ago almost, what a difference that can make. At the time, you know, traditional commercial banks, like you said, didn't know the space, didn't yeah. understand how to look at it, didn't understand, you know, multi-unit businesses outside of restaurants, which is a very actively banked space. So. Right. You know, we took the learnings and the understanding of unit level economics and brand value and underwriting operators and applied them to fitness and found that there was a lot of opportunity. And it's pretty crazy. Fast forward, you know, five years, I'm at a new institution uh, and, you know, as part of a group that initially did focus on restaurants and other similar concepts, we've now been able to carve out a nice niche uh, applying some of those same analytical approaches and underwriting approaches to yeah. the fitness space. Did you uh, did you go there and then like kind of grandstand and say, hey, we got to get into the fitness industry or they were actually hiring and you're like, wow, actually like somebody just wrote my job description. No, so I, I had, like I said, I worked on that first fitness deal. I actually didn't work on another fitness deal for a little while, but then uh, at the time that I joined Texas Capital, 
um, we were building this group out to broaden the mandate. And, and okay. one of those avenues was to explore exactly this space, the multi-unit fitness uh, operator world. Nice. And now, you know, with the success that we've had in the operator world, we are now looking to expand uh, elsewhere within fitness. And that means, you know, other players that touch the industry, whether it's kind of on equipment or distribution or other kind of vendors and providers. So Nice. So let, let's talk about if I am a operator, I got five clubs. Let's call it, um, you know, Halo, because I like the term. Let's call it Halo Fitness. Um, I come to you. I've got, uh, on average, this is, by, this is a non-binding verbal uh, term sheet that I'm asking for from sure. you. <laughs> sure. So I got a million of EBITDA uh, per location. I got five locations. Let's say I have five million of EBITDA, and I've got like uh, three million of revenue it's per location. Business. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's called Halo Fitness. I started it myself. Yeah, I got I got three years of audited financials. Even better. Same store sale comps. I don't know, probably up about four and a half percent per location. I got great leases. Good membership roles. Good membership roles. Not only do I have good memberships, I have good members. Mm-hmm. And they really they'd smile all the time. Attrition rates, eh, it's about three percent a month. Um, anyway, so I got a decent business. I want to go build another five clubs. I come to you, we bump into each other, you're like, hey, I do this. So I'm like, I didn't know you did this. Right. Um, that's awesome. All right, what, uh, tell, tell us how the process works sure. and, um, and then, you know, how you and I will non-bindingly, you know, give some parameters on what, uh, what the multiple of, you yeah. know, you can, how much money you're going to give me. And, and this, is a good, this is a good segue into kind of the differentiation of kind of our approach and, and how folks I'm going to shop at. the deal. So, like, give yeah, me, like, course. what else? Okay, of course. Cool. So, you know, a good, a good uh, segue into why we're differentiated and why some of the folks that are looking at this space are differentiated, you know, our first question is not going to be what's your audit look like, what's your consolidated financials look like. First question is going to be to get to know you and your business, uh, make sure that you have a, what we call owner-operator mentality. And that doesn't mean that you know, you're the guy at the front desk or building the unit yourself necessarily mm-hmm. at this point, but that you've built a team and a culture around you that has that ethos and that value proposition or, or value focus on being a true owner-operator and knowing what makes this operation tick at mm-hmm. the unit level. Second question is actually not going to be, again, what your audit looks like, what your consolidated financials look like, but rather what your unit level financials look like. And so what we do is we start from the bottoms up because we recognize that these businesses, especially in the multi-unit world or whether it's multi-product, multi-unit, you know, everything's driven from the individual business line up, right? And that can come in the form of an individual gym and aggregate up to a five gym business. Mm -hmm. But each unit has its own story, has its own management, has its own trainers or staff, has its own membership issues, has its own location. So we are bottoms up. And Halo Halo Fitness doesn't have that many. Doesn't have that many. Yeah, you can check those boxes. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's good because it's an interesting sequence of like, hey, I'm not applying for a loan. I'm applying to be like to understand you what you want to do, and then we'll talk about your business. And that's what we're all about in our group, and that's what the bank is all about, right? It's a partnership, right? We're looking to be, we talk about selecting partners as opposed to collecting clients, right? And so we want to make sure that we're going to Let's get that line. Let's get that line. Selecting partners versus collecting clients. Versus collecting. Selecting versus collecting. That's right. I like it. And we want to make sure it's certainly a good fit for you as well, right? And so once we've established that you're a good operator, you know what we're doing, we're a good fit for you organizationally, and on the unit level analysis that there's consistency in what you're doing, replicable across Mm -hmm. your units and across years, then we can get to the structuring. And we 
we're cash flow lenders, right? And so at the end of the day, the collateral value in these boxes, you know, most folks know that the residual value is de minimis. And so in a downside scenario, there's not a whole lot of value there to pay us back. And so what we're really looking at is what kind of a structure can the cash flow that's recurring support? And so So we start bottoms up and build from there. And then, okay, so you're you're doing you're doing specialty finance. You're doing, um, you know, what, what a term that we're going to use here for our listeners. We'll give them all the different um, definitions. But if we do a uni tranche loan, then I'm basically saying, all right, I'm the only debt provider. So uni would be one, like a uni brow. You got one brow. You got one you one tranche uni tranche. Right. And that uni tranche is going to be the maximum amount of debt that I can put on this business is probably what you're going to get in the unit tranche instead of having a senior yeah, debt provider right. and a secondary. You're definitely going to get more. Yeah, a mez and, a, um, and then preferred equity and then, and then add to equity. So, you know, as you look at this industry and obviously things ebb and flow, but, mm-hmm. you know, going back to my Halo Fitness mm-hmm. where I got five of EBITDA on 15 of revenue, you know, what, what, what are some of the things that you would see or you'd say, hey, if, if all checks out, like this is kind of like what your business, you know, could, could borrow, yep. borrowing capacity. Yeah, so you're looking probably on a Unitrans deal somewhere between four and five times. Okay. And so, you know, terms on that, the senior piece, you know, from an amortization perspective, you're looking at kind of 35 to 45%, 35 to 50% amortization on the senior piece and and obviously zero or de minimis on on the uh, junior piece or last out. Uh, From a rates perspective, kind of blended uh, five and a half to six and a half, let's say, or five and a half to seven. Um, so, you know, that's an, an five-year deal, right? That's right. that's typically what we see. I think, you know, we've seen some folks ask for, on the oddball deal, you maybe get something a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, on a Unitron or a senior-only deal, you're going to get five years from a traditional commercial lender. And, right. uh, you know, maybe if you have some MES or some other traditional junior capital behind you, you'll have six years on that or more. Got it, got it. And then, but but you're, are you guys also doing like no amortization debt deals or how, how do you we do, do not. those? We'll, we will play in Unitranche deals as the senior piece okay. or the first out piece, uh, but our shop is the senior secured cash flow lending shop. So we're going to so have amortization have on all, all of our deals. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll need to get comfortable with that with my CFL. Sure. After the, uh, at the Halo Fitness. Well, and, and we're, uh, you know. We had the flexibility, depending on the transaction in the business, to kind of stair-step am- things like amortization. Right. Uh, and then on the rates, you know, I think most folks that are being smart and competitive out there are going to look at things like the leverage profile over time and allow you to potentially earn into a better rate structure in terms of a grid pricing mm-hmm. scheme. And so you may start out at a level that's, you know, a- a- appropriate for your risk profile. And as the business de-risks and grows, as you diversify, whatever it may be, EBITDA grows you know, you can earn into a better rate. And then from a standpoint of, um, you know, how long it takes to get through your process, obviously, like us, I'm sure people come to me like, hey, I've got, you know, I need to do this. Tomorrow. And like, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow, like closing on this deal in like three weeks. I'm like, could you call me a little bit early? Yeah. So how, how what's it like a reasonable process mm-hmm. that people should expect? And obviously you've done this many times. So there's a, you know, there's a, like a blueprint on, Sure. Is we need to provide us. Sure. Here's how we view it. So it's good to give some insight. Yeah, it's 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 all going to be dependent on availability and timing of delivery of information. But you know, typically, uh, we'll put out kind of an initial diligence request and kind of work through that for let's say a first two week period. Okay. Come up with kind of a term sheet and or commitment. 
uh, come back to you, kind of negotiate maybe for a week. Um, and then once things are signed up, you know, if it's a single bank deal, right, yeah. we can kind of close pretty quickly. So you're looking on a single bank deal somewhere around 45 days okay. uh, on a syndicated deal, you know, anywhere from, you know, let's say 60 to 90 days because there is a process component there where after our bank gets comfortable, we go out with a strategy to the market and position it with other lenders in the universe that are mm -hmm. looking at fitness companies. And, Got you know, it. right now that process is typically two weeks of diligence for those banks and kind of a week of closing and, and logistics. Uh, so when you look at um, the difference between operators, you know, my, my company that I was, you know, we're using as an example here, um, on a serious note, Halo Fitness is like, okay, Pete Moore, he built the clubs, he's got personal guarantees. And then you got, let's say, like they, we had the guys from Choose Fitness here, mm -hmm. you know, 30 minutes ago. They got, you know, 20, 30, I don't know how much. They got $30 million of private equity institutional right. capital. So, you know, do you talk to both of us? Yep. Do you talk to one of us? Do you say, hey, look, you're kind of, I, I, I've been in this industry, I'm yeah. speaking in the third person for you, saying like, look, I know what the risk profiles are here and I'm, uh, I'm gonna, you know, take those into account and um, sure. should talk about that. Yeah, you're definitely looking at different risk profiles there, but it, you know, neither of them are precluding us from looking at so us or someone like us yeah. from looking at those kind of opportunities. You know, I think uh, a couple of things that that we would consider. You know, you have obviously more sophisticated and deeper pockets backing you when you have a more institutional player behind you. Uh, so you don't need things like to consider personal guarantees and all that stuff. Right. Uh, however, you know, I think. What we're ultimately looking for is that owner-operator mentality, and even if there is a sophisticated financial buyer or financial partner behind it, we still want to know that there is a, mm -hmm. an owner-operator involved in the business, right? And so gotcha. we are underwriting the owner-operator as much as we are underwriting the financials. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as kind of different concepts and, and models, uh, we cover franchised, non-franchised, you know, privately held. Uh, non, uh, you know, single market opportunities as well, right? right? And so we're not uh, simply focusing on one category or one type of business model. Gotcha. And I think most folks in the space are looking at it the same way, in the sense Got of it. sponsored, non-sponsored, franchisee, franchisor, all of the above. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here because sure. this is a big topic that comes up in every deal. Sure. Somebody comes and says, "Hey, Pete." Can you value my company based on EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA, four wall adjusted EBITDA, nope. or EBITDA adjusted embedded based on the future growth of some yeah. clubs that I just bought a piece of property on and I have some, uh, some stakes in the ground that have little flags on top of it. Yeah. Which one am I allowed to use if I come to Texas Capital Bank? So and that's an interesting question. I think Thank you. The answer I like to give and the answer that I like to work through is it depends on the data, right? So mm -hmm. how many clubs have you opened? How many clubs have you bought? How have those clubs performed? How have those clubs ramped? The more you have, the more comfortable I can get that you can replicate that again. And okay. the better I can get at giving you credit and the more reasonable it is to give you credit for that. And so the answer is it depends on your platform. Smaller platform, smaller set of experiences, probably less likely to get comfortable with a pro forma forward looking number. However, if you're 50, 60 plus units, you know, you've opened half of those and bought half of those, you have a good track record of either improving or growing EBITDA or ramping pretty quickly, then there's a reasonable case to be made that you're gonna be 
doing that again and easily replicating <clears throat> that. So those are the situations where you can, as a commercial lender, you can get comfortable with right. pushing a little bit. Right now, I don't think it's it, it's prudent, and we don't feel it's prudent to take, let's say, a forward-looking 12-month pro forma embedded EBITDA number. You added one to mine, which is that was good. That was helpful. Yeah. And now I'm going to add another calculation. Sure. <laughs> it's uh, and I think the other thing you mentioned was four wall EBITDA, right? So yeah. pre G and A, um, and I think that's that's an interesting one. Uh, we're seeing it in other spaces we work in where people are certainly on the equity side valuing business based on that, right? Yeah. Taking away the G and A and saying, look, what is what do these units really generate, right? Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting way to look at it. I think the reality is that from a lender's perspective. The yeah, G&A component is such a critical component, especially as these businesses are growing, yeah. that you can't disregard it. And so, well, I think also people's memories of you know how much leverage you know is is reasonable to put on a business um, that seems to always uh, move with the tide. You know, yeah, your memory short. We say that uh, banker's memory, banker's life is uh, is fifteen years long and five years. Deep, you know, it's like I don't remember what happened the last turn, but I do. I know you do. Um, but I, I think one point, just to kind of encapsulate what you said, it's basically to, to, to kind of requote you. It's basically to say, look, I'll give you credit if you deserve and you've proven it. I'll give you some exactly. additional credit for exactly. your for your uh, you know adjustments. Exactly. But you got to show me that you did in the past, and I I need to know if you're if you got a prototype. Like I want to know you're actually just you replicating the prototype, that's right. and that's something that people say to us, like, oh, none of my 15 clubs are for the prototype. Like, the 16, like, Charles, this is the one. Trust yep. me. Like, I've learned. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but I think one is, you know, understanding the, the debt capacity of a company mm-hmm. um, and also understanding that when you get mad at your banker or you get mad at, like, somebody like Charles and say, like, why can't I get four times and I'm only at three times? It's like, look, like, your business might be worth five or six times, let's say, on average. Half of that I'm taking the risk on, and you got to take the other half. <laughs> I'm not here to give you like 80, 20. Right. Uh, you, you, you own 80, you own 100% of the company. I, Texas Capital Bank, now have 80 cents of the dollars at risk, and you put in 20, but you own 100. Like you gotta, you gotta stop and think about that before you start nickel and diming people on a term sheet. And I appreciate that perspective because that all goes back to the partnership point, right? Is is we're looking to develop, cultivate, and grow partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not a transactional shop. And I think the folks that are out there that are going to be, you know, in concepts and businesses that have staying power, they're going to find partners as opposed to transactions. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, as you think things, as you see things moving forward, what's your biggest concern, if you have one, related to, you know, being in a position where you are lending money to, to, to competitors in an area? Yeah, so... I would say the, the, the biggest concern is that right now there's a lot of explosive growth, a lot of really interesting things that are captivating people. Uh, and there's a lot of, it happens to correspond at a point in time where there's a lot of money coming into the space and a lot of interest on the investing and lending side. And so what that tends to do is allow for people to pursue growth for growth's expense, right? And, yep. and, and growth's sake. And that may lead them to do things that are potentially stretching their organization, stretching their capacity, uh, you know, stretching what they need to do, right? And so I think one thing that we recommend is, you know, when folks are out there and we're competing and there are really aggressive competing bids out there, 
we like to remind them to really focus on the partnership angle and really focus on what they need to stay true to what their organization does and how right. they serve their clients. And, you know, maybe you do need to stretch because it's going to really evolve your concept or your business. And maybe that aggressive deal is right for you at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting overlay right now is, you know, by pretty objective measures, we're late in the cycle. And so each day we're kind of close to the next contraction or whatever you want to call it to whatever degree. And Mm -hmm. so when we see folks that are like, look, I, you know, I can get a turn more leverage. Uh, I don't necessarily need it, but I can get it. You know, that's your decision to make. We don't necessarily feel that that's prudent. Uh, We're going to go out there and we're going to help you understand from our perspective and what we see in the market, what's prudent to position your business best to do what you do best. You know, one one thing that, um, you know, look, at the end of the day, and this is what I tell most people when they come to me with us, I'm like, look, I'm not getting you, I'm not getting you the last dollar deal, okay? Because there are going to be other parts of this transaction that you are going to want us to prioritize whether it's like if we're selling a company it's going to be like how much money is in escrow account it's going to be you know what's your liabilities what's your transition services agreement are these is this new group going to like really like take care of like a legacy that you built we might have to trade off certain Mm -hmm. things the one thing that I find that I need that I think collectively we need people to understand when they're looking for a loan is you know by me not maxing out your leverage it's not me negotiating with you it's me Potentially, like, saving your business. You just don't know it yet. That's right. You know, so, like, I'm trying to do a deal with you. And, like, if someone's going to give you five times, I got my, my guttural response to that is usually, like, dude, take that deal. Like, I cannot, I'm not matching that deal because that deal does not right. make sense to me. Right. However, if you come back to me and you say, hey, look, this is what this other guy's done. And I explain to you why I'm not willing to take that incremental risk. One of the best things that you can get from a bank or you can get from an advisor or you can get from like a landlord that you're trying to do a lease with is hear something somebody that you hear something that you don't want to hear. Sure. Right? Because that makes you understand how sure. the market works. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're all about providing that, you know, transparency to our process and what we're seeing in the market and, and how it relates to your opportunity at hand and, and what's most prudent and helps best position your business. Yeah. So um, in, in closing here, give us some uh like a, a quote that you like or like a mentor that said something or if you got an atomism, you know, that, that's like, ah, this is what this guy says all the time. You know, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your stick? Uh, that's stick a, your that's stick. a good question. I think one that's on my mind lately. I'll tell you, we'll take that one. Related to what I just said about kind of aggressive deals is uh, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Yeah. That's one that uh, I hear floating around. Yeah. Actually, uh, my colleague, says it quite frequently and I think it it's pretty relevant right and you know there's a line to uh to being aggressive and and beyond that you're potentially stepping into some uncharted uncomfortable territory yeah well I I think people really need to understand that you know when you're looking for a partner that that you want to grow with Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is get a good partnership in place and then achieve results share those results have failures failures share those failures. So when you call up and you need a favor or you got to say, hey, look, this is what's going on in my business, X, Y, Z. A competitor came in across the street. There was a fire in the parking lot. Right. There was something happened. Like, you got to understand that you're, like you just said, we're not built, you're not doing transactions here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I'm borrowing money from right. you and I'll see you, you know, and just give me a Dropbox that right. I can, you know, drop my interest right. payments in. Like, 
there's people behind these deals. There's people behind, you know, making sure that they are successful. You're looking for principal preservation and return. Mm-hmm. And people want to build big businesses, you know, with appropriate levels of capital. So let's work on this together. Go Halo, Texas Capital Bank. We are deal. here. We are open. We're building relationships. We are not doing transactions. If you want a transaction, go somewhere else. Go now, go somewhere else. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, bud. Good talking to you. Thank you. Cool. Appreciate it.